Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. been my desire for a while to look at the resurrection, to look at the resurrection of Jesus. Um, the resurrection of Jesus is a very, very important part of everything that we believe. It is essential. It is essential for Christianity. Many times when I do outreach, I ask the people, what do you believe? No? Yeah. We ask people what they believe. And then if they say they believe in God or they believe in Jesus, I asked them to find out, uh, I asked them questions to find out what exactly do they believe about Jesus specifically. What do you specifically believe about Jesus? Because James 2 verse 19, James 2 verse 19 says, You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe. Yeah. Eh? Even the demons yeah. believe this, yeah. and they tremble in terror. We are not saved simply by believing that God or Jesus exists. Mm. Listen to that fact. eh? We are not saved by simply believing that God or Jesus exists. Salvation only comes when we believe and trust in what God in Christ Jesus has come to do for you. That includes the life, the suffering, the death and the resurrection. And the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Amen. Jesus did many miracles (laughs) that proved that he was God. He healed the sick. He drove out demons. And that is also something that only he could do as son of God. Jesus said to the Pharisees, how can the devil stand against his own house? It will fall apart. Therefore, only by the power of God can you drive out demons. Um. At his baptism, Jesus, and, and on the Mount of Transfiguration, you know that story where Moses and Elijah appeared, and yeah. the disciples saw Moses, yeah. Elijah, and Jesus. Yeah. So both those times, God spoke with an audible voice from heaven. An audible voice. That means the other people around Jesus could hear the voice too. No? Mm-hmm. And God said that this is my son. Listen to him. Yeah. Alright. Um. The fact that Jesus' body rose from the dead has been examined and investigated from every angle and studied endlessly. Listen to this. This is an amazing fact. Uh, This blessed me really um, uh, very much in the week. The, the, The fact that Jesus rose from the dead physically, bodily, a bodily resurrection has been examined and investigated from every angle and studied endlessly by countless scholars, theologians, professors, and others over the centuries. And many of them aren't even believers. Eh? They, I, know of a, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Lee Strobel. He was an investigative journalist, but he was an unbeliever. Yeah. And he tried to disprove, to prove that God doesn't exist, that Jesus is not real. And even though they tried to prove that Jesus did not rise from the dead, listen to this, there is zero historical evidence. Zero. None. 
zero historical evidence that it is not so. They actually found that the evidence is overwhelming. How awesome is that? The evidence is overwhelming. It is clear and convincing that Jesus did rise from the dead. And that has been proven by, by secular, not, not believing, secular scholars, theologians, well, theologians are believers, professors, and many other people over the centuries. I don't know why they don't put this in children's books in, 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 in school to learn as part of history, because it's a fact. After Jesus rose from the dead and started appearing to his disciples, he made very, very sure that all of his disciples... All of them were believers, okay? Yes, amen. Um, and that he really had risen from the dead. If we look at John 20, verse 27, John 20, verse 27, it says, He said to Thomas, the only disciple that doubted, no? But I'm sure there were more. I'm sure there were more guys yeah. that, that doubted that he was really risen from the dead. He says to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Come on. Eh? Come on. Stop doubting and believe. <laughs> Maybe that's a word for you this morning. Yes. <laughs> Stop doubting and believe. Yeah, man. And there's nothing wrong with doubting either. You're not just you're just not gonna receive. But if you doubt, go to the word of God. Listen to, to me this morning, yes. <laughs> and you will yeah. believe. All right. Repeat it again, JB. Uh, John 20, verse 27. If you doubt, go to? Go to the Word. Amen. Yeah, go to the Word. Amen. The writers of the Gospels wrote this down. They wrote down here what Jesus said to, to, to His disciple. Why? So that we can read it today. Amen. Amen. And believe. All right. Something we need to realize is that book that we have in our hands. Does someone have a Bible here? Anyone have a Bible? If you have a Bible, raise it up. That book is not just a storybook. It is not a storybook, in fact, at all. That book in your hands is historical evidence. Historical, truthful, factual evidence. That Jesus rose from the dead and that everything he said is the truth. Alright? That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Think about that today. Do you believe that Jesus came back to life after being dead for three days? Yes. Ask yourself that question. And that he is alive today as he was almost 2,000 years ago. And that's so awesome. We worship a living God. Amen. So first I want to look at some prophecies about the resurrection and then I want to look at why it is such an important event and then lastly I want to look at what it means for us today but I'll check the time I won't keep you too long I've got seven pages here but I will stop at if I see we've, we've we are not going to have enough time all right we won't, we will respect your time. <laughs> Alright, so the prophecies about the resurrection. The prophecies <coughs> about the resurrection. Amen. There are around 300, think about that, 300, maybe more, maybe more,
prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled in his time here on earth. Alright? 300 prophecies or more that Jesus fulfilled to the letter in his lifetime on earth. Words, words that were spoken and written down by men who lived hundreds of years before Jesus lived. Or before he was on the earth in, in the flesh. Hundreds of years. And those men lived hundreds of years apart as well. They didn't know about each other. And the only ones that knew about the other ones were the ones that were alive and reading about what the older ones said. But these guys lived years apart and they all heard God speaking to them about a savior to come. A savior to come. And they describe the life, the events, and the character of Jesus. The life, the events, and the character of Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled those prophecies, proving that He was in fact the Savior, the Word made flesh, the Son of God, the Messiah. Amen. He proved that He was the man they were prophesying about. So I wanted to see what prophecies there were or are about His resurrection. There are many places where the resurrection of Jesus is implied in the Old Testament. Uh, or in the scriptures. You know the scriptures is the books from Genesis to Malachi. Malachi. It's basically our Old Testament. Alright. I wanted to take a look at, 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 these, at these prophecies. And there is a lot that is implied. But it's not very clear. You need to do a lot of digging to, to, to understand. And you need some Bible knowledge. Old Testament knowledge to understand it. Um, but I'm going to look today at the clearest prophecies about Jesus, all right, about his resurrection. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul and Peter both say that the resurrection of Jesus was foretold in the scriptures, all right? 1 Corinthians 15, and you can please go there if you have a Bible. If you have a Bible on your phone, please go there. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 You got that? It says, and I'm reading from the maybe, I think it's the New Living Translation or the New International Version I'm not sure, I forgot to say to myself here what I'm reading from but it's a more modern translation It says now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. In vain means for nothing. Alright? For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Listen to that. What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Listen to that, man. According to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. 
Okay. So it must have taken a lot of boldness to say all of that. No? It must have taken a lot of boldness to say that. Because Paul said, the gospel I preach to you. No? By this gospel you are saved, he said. So Paul was absolutely convinced that the gospel that he shared was the only correct gospel. The gospel that Paul shared was the only correct gospel. Amen. Because in fact there is only one gospel. Amen? Amen. There is only one gospel. Only one, one gospel. news that is too good to be true, uh, but it is. It no? Yes. Um, and he could say that because he got it directly from Jesus himself. And Paul's message was confirmed to be true by the other apostles who walked with Jesus as well. Uh, so here we see that Paul refers to a specific message, a specific gospel. The gospel Paul preached to them and the gospel that they believed and were standing on to be saved. Paul says, by this gospel you are saved. And then he tells them that what this gospel is. No? What is this gospel? That Christ died for their sins, yes. that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day. All right. Amen. Paul was making this point because there were people in the Corinthian church who were saying there's no resurrection from the dead. The dead don't come back to life physically in bodily form. Yeah. That is what a resurrection is. A resurrection is not a spiritual thing. It's a physical thing. Amen. You're not resurrected from the dead if, if only your spirit is alive. Yeah. Resurrection means body, soul, spirit, Amen. resurrected. Amen. And isn't that so, so different to what all the other religions in the world say? They say it's some kind of, we, we become spirits and we float somewhere. And, or we can come back as a, as a bunny or a, if you're a good person, maybe you're a dog or whatever. I don't know what nonsense they believe. But um, let's go on. <laughs> uh, okay, so he made a point to include the resurrection of Jesus in this gospel. No? Yeah. Okay, so when we share the gospel, it is important that we also tell people the good news. That Jesus rose from the dead. Come Amen. On. Come on. Don't leave it at the cross. Don't leave it at the cross. Bring it to the resurrection. It's very important. But notice that Paul says that it happened according to the, the scriptures. scriptures yeah. It happened according to the scriptures. But Paul doesn't quote any scriptures here. Alright. Only later on he mentions a scripture but it's, it's got to do with something else. Uh, let's before we, before we go look, let's look at what the Apostle Peter said. What the Apostle Peter said on the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out. All right, when all the crowds came to Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit was poured out, um, and the Apostle Peter stood up and he preached very boldly in Acts two verse twenty nine. Acts two verse twenty nine. you have a Bible, go there. It's good to see it with your own eyes. Amen. In the Word. Alright. Acts 2 verse 29. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure 
that the patriarch David, okay, so this is just a part of his message, eh? The patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised, with an oath, that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. Wow. God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. Amen. 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 Once again, we see that it is important to tell people about the resurrection of Jesus. It is an important part of the gospel. Alright? We will look at why later. But Peter quoted a verse from the Psalms. Okay? He quoted a verse from the scriptures. In, and he referred to David. And we can go look. And that's awesome. We can go look at the Psalms in Psalms 16. Psalm 16 verse 10. This is the this is the scripture from the Old Testament that that the apostle uh, Peter quoted. Psalm 16 verse 10. All right. Um, Psalm 16 verse 10 says, "For you will not leave my soul among the dead." Or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. Holy One is a common word used in the Old Testament to refer to Jesus or to the Messiah, the King to come. You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, Amen. granting me joy, the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. That's a beautiful song. That is truly awesome and it blows my mind. I wonder why David would write something like this. Why would he write something like this? Some of the Psalms, if you turn in your Bible to uh, Psalm 3, you will see that uh, it maybe gives you a little heading that says, uh, David was writing this Psalm because he was running from his son, Absalom, that was wanting to kill him. Yeah. If you know the stories of David, you can look at the Psalms and you can kind of, put Psalm 23, Lord is my shepherd, and you can imagine David sitting in the field under a tree with a stream of water here, with his sheep among him, and you can imagine how David wrote that Psalm. Eh? But this Psalm, it's, it's almost so strange, eh? Um, how did David come up with this? To write about not staying dead in the grave. Was, was anyone ever resurrected before David's time? I, I can't recall. I can't recall that the idea of resurrection was, was even a thing back then. But here David writes about resurrection. Um, <clears throat> Peter tells us why David wrote this. Because David was a prophet. That's what that's what the Apostle Peter said. No? Amen. He says in, in Acts 2 verse 30 that we read, But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised. No? 
That is holy one. Oh, that the holy one will not see corruption. All right. And like how it says that David knew God's promises. Yeah. David knew God's promises. David had a relationship with God. That is how he wrote this psalm. It's because David knew God's promises and David had a relationship with God. Think of the things we can write if we have a relationship with God. Think of the things and the revelations we will receive if we have a relationship with God. In fact, that is the only way that revelation comes, by spending time in His Word. David was a man after God's own heart. And that means he was constantly seeking after God's heart. It doesn't mean that David was something special, a special human being that God specially loved. Yes, God did love David, but what that, what that phrase means, David was a man after God's own heart, is because he was seeking after God. He was seeking after God's heart. God was showing David things in the future, especially the resurrection of Jesus. And Peter quotes this prophecy for that reason. And then he testifies, and I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> he says, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. We are all witnesses of Amen. this. We need to know that God's promises has come to fulfillment. That He has given us what He has promised. Amen. That He has raised Jesus from the dead. And that He has given us His Spirit. Amen. 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 Listen to this prophecy in Daniel. Daniel. Daniel 12 verse 2. Daniel 12 verse 2 says, Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up. <laughs> In Daniel, guys. Daniel 12 verse 2. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise... I love this. Mm. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. Mm. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Mm. Wow. Huh? Can you guess what this prophecy is about? Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. Those who lead many to righteousness will, rise, uh, will shine like the stars forever. Wow. What is that about? <laughs> it's about salvation, yeah, absolutely. Witnessing. 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 You, you're like a star, shining forever when you're winning souls. That's beautiful, eh? Amen. These verses refer to the resurrection of the believer. Amen. It is referring to us. Amen. It's referring to us. Daniel is prophesying about eternal life for those who believe the gospel. But it also speaks about Jesus' resurrection. Because we can't be resurrected if He wasn't resurrected. Amen. Amen. If I understand verse 3 correctly, like we just said, 
this verse also talks about our calling and purpose as believers. Alright? It refers to those who lead many to righteousness. Those who lead many to righteousness. 2 Corinthians 15 verse... Sorry, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. It made me think of that verse. It's making a sound. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, All of this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have become ministers of reconciliation. That's awesome. And we need to tell people that Jesus is alive today. Amen. Jesus is alive today. And if you believe that, then you would have enjoyed worship. <laughs> and just by believing that simple truth, Jesus is alive, believing that He died on the cross for them, they can start having a relationship with God, an eternal relationship with God that will last for eternity. Say, I am called to lead many to righteousness. I am called to lead many to righteousness. I am a minister of reconciliation. I am a minister of reconciliation. Amen. Amen. To reconcile means you, 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 uh, you act as a mediator. No? You reconcile into perfect relationship two parties. And that is the unbeliever with their father. Reconciliation. That is what happens if you, if you restore a relationship. You reconcile the unbeliever with their father, with our father. Amen. Just listen to this amazing prophecy in Isaiah. Isaiah uh, 53 verse 9. Isaiah 53 verse 9. Okay. Isaiah 53 verse 9, and I'm reading from the King James Version. He says, And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither has any deceit, what neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul. An offering for sin. Who does that speak about? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus no? And that's in Isaiah. That's in Isaiah. So this first part is describing some of the details of Jesus' death. He died, firstly, between two sinners, no? Yes. He says there uh, in verse 9, he, he made his grave with the wicked. That means, that's referring to, to the two sinners that he was crucified between. Okay? And with the rich in his death. That is referring to the rich man's grave. You know, I think it's Joseph from, I don't know where he was from, but he was a rich man. And he asked Pilate to take Jesus' body off the cross so that he can put him in his own grave. So that's what this is referring to, with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit 
in his mouth. That is referring to Jesus. Jesus did no sin, no? And he never lied, alright? Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul, Jesus' soul, Jesus was made an offering for sin. Alright? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin, made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's awesome. And then Isaiah continues, we're back in Isaiah, in verse 10, the rest of verse 10 says, He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. And in the pleasure of the Lord shall, sorry, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, verse 11, he shall see of the travail of his soul, and he shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant, that's another reference to Jesus, eh? that is, I think, quite uh, famous in the Old Testament. My righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. So this verse is describing how Jesus will see the fruit. No? He will see the good that will come from his suffering and death. Alright? The seed that he will see and the many that will be justified is once again referring to us. It's referring to the believer. It's referring to every person that puts their trust in Jesus for salvation. If Jesus did not resurrect, he would not be able to see his seed. That makes sense, right? If Jesus did not resurrect, he would not have been able to see his seed. There would be no seed to see in the first place, because we wouldn't have been resurrected either. So this shows us once again that it has always been about God reaching the world. It has always been about God having many sons and daughters, being one with man. The plan was never to just have one nation, the nation of Israel, worship Him. No? The entire human race, all nations, is what God wants for Himself. God provided eternal life and relationship with Him to the whole world. He made it freely available by His mercy and grace. And the way to receive is it. The way to receive it is by faith, by believing it, no? by believing it, by faith. The last prophecy I want to look at is Jesus' own prophecy about his resurrection. Mark eight verse thirty-one. Mark eight verse thirty-one. Mark eight verse thirty-one. Then he began to teach them, this is Jesus, teach them that the Son of Man, also a common term in the Bible, throughout the Bible, in fact, especially the Old Testament, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. So he taught his disciples this, no? And what did they do after he died? They fell apart. No? 
So they must have not been listening or paying attention. Jesus prophesied his own death and resurrection many times. Here we read that he taught his disciples about it. One day the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law came to Jesus and he asked them, or they asked him, for a sign to prove his authority. In his response to them, Jesus mentioned the prophet Jonah. Do you know the story of Jonah? No. Matthew 12 verse 39. Matthew 12 verse 39. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign. I feel like I've skipped something now. No. Okay. Uh, Matthew 12, verse 39. Jesus mentions the prophet Jonah. The Pharisees came and they asked him, What gives you the authority to drive out demons? Give us a sign that you are the Son of God. Matthew 12, verse 39, he answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So there Jesus is prophesying his own death. The men of Nineveh, will stand up at the judgment with this generation. Jesus is saying this. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they, Nineveh, the men of Nineveh, repented at the preaching of Jonah. When Jonah preached, they repented. And now something greater than Jonah is here. So Jesus points to Jonah as a type and a shadow of Jesus being dead in the grave. For only three days. days. Because that is how long Jonah was in the whale. He wasn't eaten by the whale and then he became whale poo. That's not the case. The whale spat him out. And in the same way, Jesus would not remain in the grave. Jonah echoes the word of David, actually, in Jonah 2 verse 6. Jonah 2 verse 6. Uh, Philip, could you actually read Jonah 2 verse 5 as well? Jonah 2 verse 5 to 6. in the belly of the whale seaweed was wrapped around his head that makes me think of another picture but I can't, can't say for sure but that resembles Jesus being in the grave for three days 
Then Jesus mentions that the people that repented when Jonah preached to them will rise from the grave and condemn those who do not believe at the preaching of Jesus. What Jesus was actually saying is that the world will receive a sign that will prove that Jesus is who he is no? and who he said he is. And what is the sign? If we take into account this whole prophecy, what would you say is the sign that proves who Jesus says who he is? Anyone? The sign that proves who Jesus says what he is. When he rose from the dead. Yeah, his resurrection. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, we know that it's false. Mm -hmm. That Jesus was not really God. Alright? But the fact is that he, is, he, he has risen from the dead. Okay? Um, and that is what we ought to believe. That he died and rose again for us. When we hear the gospel, we repent and turn to Jesus. We believe and become born from the Spirit. So Jesus told those guys, because you won't believe, even if I was resurrected, those Pharisees, the guys that repented when Jonah preached will condemn them. Why will they be condemned? Why will anyone be condemned? Because they don't believe. It's not about the sin that you do. It's not about your performance, whether it's good performance, whether it's bad performance. It's about what you believe. If you do not believe, you will be condemned. Yeah. Amen. But if you believe, sure. Yeah. So much good things. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, that applies only to the believer, no? Yeah. After Jesus clears the temple, the religious leaders ask Jesus to prove himself again with a sign. You remember that story? Where Jesus uh, uh, flach, flach, um, braids a, a, a whip and he throws over the, the money changers' tables and he chases out all the animals. They again come to him and they say, prove us, prove yourself, give us a sign that you, are, that you have the authority to do this. And Jesus did not point to the many miracles that he could point to. He didn't point to all of his miracles. He pointed once again to his resurrection. All right. John 2 verse 18. John 2 verse 18. <coughs> John 2 verse 18. But the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a, mir a miraculous sign to prove it. Alright, Jesus replied. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it up. What? They exclaimed. Yeah. It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? <laughs> but when Jesus said this temple, he meant his body. body. No. After he was raised from the dead, Jesus, oh, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures, the scriptures, the Old Testament, and was and what Jesus had said. 
That's awesome. Jesus' resurrection from the dead was the one thing that forever separates him from any other religious leader who has ever been or will ever be. No other religious feature in history has ever prophesied uh, his own death and resurrection and then accomplished it. That's, that's an interesting fact. The resurrection of Jesus is the most important part of the gospel. If you do not believe that he rose from the dead, you are missing out on the best part. You are missing out. No resurrection, that means no gospel, no good news. Because the good news is that he rose from the dead. That is what is good about the good news, that he rose from the dead. No? If he was still in the grave, it would have been bad news. No? no resurrection, no gospel. If there is no gospel, then there is no salvation. No salvation. Without the resurrection, there is no new birth. Therefore, Paul wrote it to the Corinthian church in order to correct a false teaching that said that there is no resurrection. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.